What's up, guys, and welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. It's your main man, J-Mac, here on this gorgeous Tuesday evening here in Sensibly Loud Studios at HQ here in Dallas, Texas. I've got B-Easy, and the great Sam Bino is in the studio with us. Sam, what's going on, man? Welcome. Not much. Glad to be uh, you know, spouting really terrible opinions about things other than baseball. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. So Happy to finally have you on, Sam. Thanks, Brandon. Super appreciate it. We've definitely been talking about it for a while, so I'm glad that we kind of came to a time where we could make it work. I was thinking about ideas the other day, or we were talking about ideas that we could kind of potentially do since Sam is joining us, and I think something we've kind of like kicked down the road for a long time, I think we're just going to finally resort to doing it. We're going to do top 10 movies of all time. Love it. I don't yeah. get to I don't get to talk about movies nearly enough in the baseball forum, um, but I'm a huge, huge movie guy. Uh, and a huge TV guy, so I'm I'm really super curious to hear what your guys' top 10 are. Definitely. I feel like first and foremost, we have to ask you, are you familiar with the movie Rent-A-Kid? <laughs> Ooh, no. No, I'm not. Yeah, so there's this Leslie Nielsen movie. You probably, We talked about it on previous episodes, and, and Carl found a sequel to it somehow or another. Oh, but my God. It's about, basically about this guy who's renting kids to see if families are like ready or want to have children, and he's just leasing kids out. It's, it's a wild scene and i feel like we talk about this on this show a lot would you say that daddy daycare is maybe like the third or fourth sequel to that series of movies or is this <laughs> a totally separate storyline almost certainly another sequel right brandon i don't know yeah i think it might be a sequel so some something that i ran across the last day or so and i really am flabbergasted by this uh, and, and I've known about this for a little while, and I'll kind of tell you guys how, but I want to get you guys' thoughts on this because I think it's there's definitely like a commentary here, but it's something that just absolutely blows my mind. So probably about five or six years ago, my sister and I got together and we wanted to watch an episode of Family Matters. We just hadn't seen Family Matters, Urkel, all of that in a long time. You guys watch Family Matters growing up, right? Absolutely. That's classic. Yeah. yeah, classic show. And so we recorded all these episodes and all this and we started watching this one just the first one we saw and it involved someone bringing a gun to school and someone getting shot it was the most unurkel type episode i've ever fucking seen it was unbelievable whoa yeah it was heavy and so is this one of those episodes where we're trying to bring some social matter up to the surface way before that was a common thing like today yes that's exactly what was going on here now brandon are you familiar with this what family matters well, yeah no I, I know family matters but like did you know that they did these types of episodes that were like oh social yeah yeah, yeah yeah i remember that and then the all of a sudden you'd have this you know long uh violin just oh yeah all serious moment and everybody's all looking at each other's eyes and it zooms in and then he becomes stefan and it's like what the hell's going yeah. on <laughs> yeah but the thing is he didn't become stefan it's like some kid got shot at school there was all this drama and then it just ended and huh. so there was no like bring it back around to the comedy stylings that usually is. It was just like a real deep social commentary that didn't involve Urkel. It was really weird. And so and presumably this came out of nowhere, out of nowhere. So I've known about this for quite some time. And so I started talking to my sister about it again yesterday. I was like, Hey, remember that time that we were watching family matters and this happened and we talked about the whole thing. And she was like, yeah, it's kind of funny you bring that up because there's a show. I'm not sure if you guys ever watch this or not. Did you guys ever watch Smart Guy? 
I don't think so. So that was a Disney show, and I watched it with my little sister more than anything. It was just one of those things that we happened. We're about four years apart, so like the things that we found amusing were always a little bit off, you know, kilter. But like the things that we agreed on, we loved, and this is one of them. And essentially, it's about this kid who's like should be in like I don't know fifth or sixth grade, who's absolutely brilliant. And is in high school with his brother. And all kinds of hijinks happen. It's just one of those typical 90s sitcoms. And apparently there's an episode where he got lured into a basement for free video games by some creepy guy. <laughs> you had me at video games. Tell I'm, me more. I'm telling you. And so so I, I haven't seen... I don't remember this at all. But my sister was like, oh yeah, very vividly remember this one. And apparently... So that was a spinoff of that show Sister Sister. Did you guys ever see that? Or you just know oh, yeah. what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like a, a spinoff of that. I think the kid that played the genius and smart guy was the same kid. He was like Tia and uh, Tamara's brother or something like that. Gotcha. Anyway, so that happened on that show. And apparently on Sister Sister, there was a situation that they got into where they be- got lured into a bunch of modeling, teen modeling and stuff, and ended up being like porn shoots. And I was like, I feel like I need to go back and do some research on some of these like 90s sitcom commentaries. I mean... Am I crazy about like this being really strange? Well, I think in the 90s, a lot of stuff was going on. Like, you know, uh, everything started becoming more mainstream. You had like shows like Law and Order and NYPD Blue and all those that were like really starting to progress in terms of showing like sexy scenes that you'd only see in movies. And now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, it's on the family's home TV, you know, right there on television. So it really started to press boundaries and maybe because of that a lot of these uh 90s sitcoms were like okay we got to address this for sure and i guess it's not like you had mediums like social media and stuff like that to get awareness of things like that out so i mean i guess your mediums are limited and it is kind of hard to like get past that i guess yeah but yeah I, i think it's just a strange thing overall i feel like i need to do more research into these i feel like there are way more of these things out there that we just don't even know about i mean there's bound to be Oh, yeah. And, and basically what you were describing with the Family Matters episode, I remember a very similar episode with uh, another TGIF show called Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh, no. That show's great, though. Yeah. Would it, it hold up, do you think? One of those, like, bringing a gun type thing. And, <laughs> and yeah. And I never knew how it resolved because uh, they, they cut out and it was like now bringing a special report uh, going live now in L.A. and you see a white Bronco being chased by cops on the Son highway. <laughs> Son of a bitch. God I damn it, Juice. Yeah. Oh, man. So we, we don't know what happened with... So is that like a lost episode of Hanging with Mr. Cooper or something? It's almost got to be. It's It's got to be. Um, yeah, because I remember... Like, that was always, you know, the, the routine. You, you get home from school. You watch some whatever cartoons in the afternoon. For me, it was playing video games on Super Nintendo or Genesis or whatever. And then uh, TGIF would start, get some pizza, all that fun stuff. You couldn't beg people to watch shows on a Friday night anymore. Yeah, I know. Everybody else is doing something else. It's crazy, right? What a culture shift. Yeah, it really is. Did that change because of the internet? It must have, right? A little bit. I mean, even before, say, YouTube came to prominence and all these other, you know, online streaming services, uh, I think a lot of things shifted in the late 90s, early 2000s. Seems like more people were tuning in Monday evenings and Tuesday evenings. And, you know, you had shows like 24 and, you know, all those kind of shows, uh, X-Files. I think those were on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So eventually things kind of shifted toward the, the beginning of the week. And I'm not sure why that is. Maybe they 
figured that the viewership was dropping because people were going out to dinner on Fridays or going away for the weekend or something like that. Yeah, and you get into the the realm of time when everybody's living their life online and, you know, things kind of change on, on that paradigm as well and you're, you know, trying to be seen out on Friday or whatever it is, you know, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I guess I get that. It's probably a, a generational thing too, I would think, though, right? I mean, it's just... It's more like our generation to be out being social than sitting around the house, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's real interesting nowadays. You look at 2019 and a lot of people, I, I don't know. It seems like there's less people going out doing social stuff and more so just staying in, which pros and cons are. No doubt. Sam, are you back? For, yes. for the moment, yes. Okay. Trying to resolve whatever network issues are going on in my house. No worries, man. That's the the downside of doing what we do over the internet like this. It's much easier when we're all just in person. Oh, for sure. Um, pretty sad that it's all of a sudden happening. I've never had an issue over whatever 30 episodes we've we've recorded here since, you know, the end of last baseball season through the Super Bowl and the playoffs and now now this. So it's just today that it's starting to act up. So I apologize. Yeah, you sound pretty good now. Hey, good. Yeah. Basement. I mean, I hope you're not trying to lure anybody in with video games or anything. That's what I've learned in this show so far. Don't. But do I it. would because who doesn't like video games? <laughs> I would totally, totally lure somebody in. All right, we're gonna have to have a press conference now. <laughs> I mean, you guys want to come over and play some video games? We'll see. You got Ken Griffey's baseball. Ooh, that's gonna be no. like '94, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good I don't game. Have that one. It's yeah. a shame. Sam, do you buy the show every year? I don't. I so I I love video games. I love them. All genres except sports. Mm, okay. I'm terrible, terrible at sports video games. So I don't play them because I'm bad. Like sure. why I don't enjoy being bad at that video game. Literally na- name a genre, maybe not fighting games, but like no Mortal Kombat for me, but any other genre I will play and like and be good at, but I can't play baseball video games or football or anything, so I don't buy them. Hmm. Interesting. Brandon, have you ever been about those games, really? Oh, yeah. All right. That was weird. You guys still there? Yeah, weird. We're having all uh, kinds of technical issues today. Yeah, program just uh, rebooted on me randomly. Uh, yes, but yeah, uh, to answer your question, yeah, I am about those games. I uh, grew up playing King Griffey Baseball, NHL 95, all those games, yeah. What was the last one you bought? Ooh, that's a good question. Um I want to say probably one of the Madden games, like Madden NFL, probably 2006, 2007. Wow. Okay. It's been a while. I stopped buying them entirely. I So I bought the show every year. I, I bought the show every year from like oh, probably like 2010 all the way to 2018, actually. I didn't buy it this year. This is the first time I didn't. I just... I can't justify spending almost $70 on something that's pretty much the same other than the names every year. And that's just bothersome to me. There are times where they have like much better upgrades, you know, and better like renditions of them. And I'll just wait a couple of years and buy a new one at that point. But I'm not going to just continue to buy it. I just think that seems ridiculous to me. So many of those are just like they're re they're reshelling the game with the correct rosters and everything. And nothing's really been upgraded. Like, Oh, there's a new ballpark. We added that. I would say if if any sports game really hit uh, hit my heartstrings, other than Ken Griffey Jr. baseball, it would be NHL 1995. Oh damn! Um, yeah. So at this point, I'm nine years old, and uh, I you know I don't know anything. But what I do know <laughs> is that if I put <laughs> if I put it on easy mode, 
I could shoot the puck from half ice and yep. the goalie would be so far out of the box that it would go over his head and in every time. And I might have told the story on the outfielder before. However, I would win games like 87 to 4 <laughs> in hockey, where anything over four goals on the side is considered really high. Yes. Um, so that that was a A-plus sports game because I was a real winner. Hell yeah. Oh, it was. I played that a lot, too. Uh, and to quote a really infamous movie, you got to go over there and make uh, Gretzky's head bleed. That's right. <laughs> Make his head bleed. Love it. Right. It's a classic. It's an absolute classic. I the thing about like the Madden games and all that is like the almost every single time I buy one and I boot it up and I'm excited, I have regret almost immediately. Almost immediately every single time. Like, why did I just do this? So that's why I just resorted to not doing it anymore. It just doesn't make sense. Uh I do love some of the classic ones though. Did they, either of you ever have a Dreamcast? Uh my buddy did. It was pretty cool, man. Uh, playing NFL like 2K and 2K1 and stuff like that was a fucking blast back in the day. I played Power Stone on the Dreamcast. That game was A+. What the hell is Power Stone? That was a fighting game, but it was in three dimensions. It was like Smash Brothers before there was Smash Brothers. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Classic. Power hmm. Stone. Look it up. Interesting. Yeah, I don't recall that one at all, actually. I, I was big into Sonic on the Dreamcast, too, because that was the first time it had like the real 3D-type graphics. That was like around the N64 era. It was probably a little after that, but not too far. Yeah, my favorite era, for sure. It was a weird time, though. I, I just distinctly remember, and God, I completely forgotten about this band entirely until Josh brought it up the other day. I just remember seeing like a bunch of pictures whenever it came out, and this was like pretty early on in the internet days like this is still like dial-up days and i just remember being on like some entertainment website and seeing like pictures of fred durst autographing fucking dreamcasts and i was like oh this system's gonna fail for sure for <laughs> so sure when you say entertainment websites are we talking e-bombs world is this okay so e-bombs world was the fucking shit i'll tell you that right now but this was probably before that like this is probably like aol like click the entertainment button kind of thing. So I don't even know if it wow. was like, you know, these are like the wow. early days of the internet. Talk about fake news. Yeah, no kidding, right? I wonder, I wish I could go back and look at that and see what that looks like now. Could you imagine? So bad. so bad. I also wouldn't hate seeing like what my screen name was. I couldn't even tell you what my first one was, but I'm sure it was terrible. Oh, I don't know if Brandon knows his, but I know mine to a T. Oh, do you? Samman0130. Hell yes. Wow, that's a good one. Do you know yours, Brandon? Uh, no, I don't no. Know. I think you're both just too embarrassed. So no. Oh wait, no. Mine, mine involved a Mustang in some way because I always wanted a Mustang before uh, I bought mine. I don't remember what it was though. Stang I, boy, sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hope it's that good. I'll, I'll think of it. It's going to come to me. I'll get back to you guys on this. Pro I promise. Okay. Probably Let's just do it. yeah. She's probably going to give me something inappropriate that I don't want to hear. It's just, that'd be really upsetting. Or she'll give you everything and she'll have seen everything you chatted and you'll be like, that was too much information. Yes. God only knows what we said back in the day. Because the internet was such a wild west too at that time. Oh my God. <sighs> if we could only go back to the days of like Utopia and whatnot. Such good times. Well, do we want to dive into this movie things? I feel like this is going to take us a little bit. Yeah, it let's will. do it. All right. Well, I think that we should go round table it. Yeah, I think so. I think we should go 10 all the way to one and we'll just do we just each one to do 10 and we'll go from there. Yeah, love it. All right, Sam, you're the guest. You start us off. 
Yeah, so my number 10 movie is uh, the John Wick movies. Oh, wow. Are we gonna, do we get a bell? Hold on. It's on the other board. I was looking for it. I mean, it's just going to be 30 bells if we all, if we all get a bell. <laughs> Correct. So the John Wick movies started, uh, I'm going to say, 10-ish years ago, maybe like seven years ago. Keanu Reeves, post-Matrix. He's kind of an old man action star in these. The first movie was very, very, very low budget. I'm going to say like under $3 million to get this thing done. And it was a pure, raw action film that didn't take itself too seriously. And the the gunplay and fight scenes are extremely well choreographed with a solid, no-nonsense uh, content story. And um, I, love, I love those films. They're really, really good. The third one... I think it's called Parabellum is coming out shortly. Yes. And I, I so. anxiously await that. That's a, those are great movies. But it is like, it's not a classic. It's mm-hmm. just kind of a kill em, bloody, fun movie. And th- those are wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. The problem with those movies for me is I saw them, I saw the second one first. Oh, Justin. Oh, it's guy. actually, it was at your place in Colorado that I saw the second one first. Oh, it's Sam's fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I don't sure think I Sam was involved, but. Damn it. You, okay. Damn it, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's Penny's number 10 movie? Good old Calamity. Probably Tom and Jerry. What a bitch. Um, <laughs> what a generic cat answer. I love it. <laughs> so so John Wick 1 came out 2014. Uh, John Wick 2 came out 2017. Oh Parabellum just came out last weekend. I saw uh, John Wick 3 uh, Monday evening of this week. And it's... I think I like it more than John Wick 2, which is oh saying a lot because I love That's John Wick 2. Do you guys wow, think that... it would help if I just go back and watch these movies in order, just like start over, like just go one, yeah. two, three? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this is one of the few movie series where you could watch one through at least two. I haven't seen three, but one through two is one continuous story. Like oh, two nice. starts where one ended, like f- almost frame for frame. So the answer is yes. You should definitely watch them. Okay. I think I'll get Claire to go down that path with me this weekend and we'll, we'll knock those out. And it's the same thing for three. It picks up right like the minute or the second that two ends. So yeah, it's great. I love that. More movies should do that when they come in trilogies. It's it's crazy that they don't. Oh yeah, I agree. Good pick, man. All right, Brandon, you're next. Uh, my number ten pick, uh, and man, I must have gone back over my list so many times. Um, but number ten, I'm going to go with the movie Alien by Ridley Scott. Uh, came out in 1979, I believe it was. And uh, just something about that film has stayed with me over the years. I mean, I like Aliens just as much by James Cameron, which has more of like a shoot 'em up uh, sort of battlefield to it versus Alien. But Alien, there's a very like paranoia uh, suspense. It's just it just gets under your skin and, and fills it. It's not so much about like the gore action so much, but it's just about uh, the tense moments that it goes through. So as far as like a pure sci-fi film. Uh, that one definitely lands number 10 on my list. Really like kicked off the new age of sci-fi that really started to take hold in, in the 80s. That, that movie is like equal parts thriller and like new tech, future age alien stuff. One of the coolest movies in the universe. It's absolutely well, amazing. Yeah, I was going to say another thing that's crazy. It's kind of a, it's really ahead of its time. I mean, you think about it, it came out in 79. That's just two years after Star Wars A New Hope came out. So it really puts things in perspective. Okay, so my number 10, if you guys are ready. Yep, ready. 
is going to be Office Space. <laughs> nice. Good choice. How could I not, right? The quintessential office film that paints the picture of what it's like in corporate America, and it does such a fantastic job. Ron Livingston is great. I always struggle with him, and I feel like we talked about this on this show several times before, but like, I feel like he should be way more popular than he is. I agree. He did Office Space, he did Band of Brothers, and nothing else notable. I always forget he was Maybe. in Band of Brothers. Yeah, I think it was the Pacific. I think that's the one he was in. Oh, that's I, right. I will, I will fact check the hell out of you. Oh, really? Okay, okay. I thought it was the Pacific, but maybe I'm wrong. If Ben were here, he would just like... <laughs> His head would explode. <laughs> that's okay. He's he's too busy at an Army-Navy store right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. I love Office Space because it's filmed in Dallas. There's a great shot of some hotels off of LBJ, and you see them like tooting around in what I think is Las Colinas, and then you hear the guy say, I'm doing the drywall up there in Las Colinas. <laughs> yep. yep. One of the best lines, yeah. Las Colinas also was filmed, the office area was filmed in uh, Austin, and that building uh, is still there. Wow. One of the better, like, quote-unquote Dallas-based movies that there is. Oh, yeah. And it's also just one of those movies where you just kind of wish you could just stop giving a fuck and just walk in and start gutting fish at your desk, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if i find either of you gutting fish at your slm desk we're gonna we're gonna have a discussion <laughs> all right sam i think you're next number nine on my list i i would be surprised if anyone's heard of this movie it's called firefox have either of you heard of this movie firefox negative this is a movie um, that came out in 1982 Starring Clint Eastwood, probably at the end of his like Dirty Harry sort of prime. That man has had many primes. You've got like your Good, the Bad, and the Ugly prime, and maybe like your Dirty Harry prime sort of intersecting with that. But um, this this came out in 1982. Firefox is a movie about a man, Clint Eastwood, who's like an ace fighter pilot who's got PTSD, and he's been tasked with infiltrating a Soviet base stealing their top secret fighter jet just as the u.s is also sort of culminating their fighter jet program the f-117 nighthawk uh, which did many terrible things in war um so he's infiltrating it's very it's very it's very like subterfuge filled he's you know in soviet russia faking being a guy like going through checkpoints it's a very nicely tiered approach where we're like convincing the man to go do the mission he goes and does the mission and then him escaping with this fighter jet. It is absolutely perfect and so, so, so underrated. I um, highly recommend checking out the movie Firefox with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, that's that's really nice. Uh, I think I've heard of that movie. I just never got around to seeing it. And I want to say he was in another movie in the 70s that had something to do with infiltrating Nazi Germany or something like that in World War II. Uh, I remember seeing, but yeah, that sounds really interesting. Cause I mean, that's, that's during the cold war with the USSR and yeah, definitely have to check that one out. I'm surprised that slipped past my radar. I've seen most of his movies. It's very, very obscure. So I was, I was hesitant to put it on the list, but I couldn't, uh, neglect our, I couldn't deprive our audience of shining some light on such a great movie. It is, it is like 
very poorly rated because it's so old and nobody really knows about it. It's like 5.9 out of 10 stars, but who cares? Um, I think it's great. It's like a classic in my mind. And that's the thing about these top 10 lists too, is this, these are top 10 to us. Like it doesn't, it's not like these are top 10 movies of all time for everybody. I love Clint Eastwood, man. I, I think it could be argued that he might be in another prime right now. Yeah. The Skeletor prime, right? That's yes. a, that's a prime. That people get into. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. All right, Brandon, you're number nine. Uh, my number nine is also another 1982 film and uh, another sci-fi film that was way ahead of its time for the ages. Uh, that is the movie Blade Runner. Ah, excellence. Yes. Yep. Also directed by Ridley Scott. Um, the, th- the thing about Blade Runner, when I first saw it, I was really young and I didn't really understand a lot of what was going on. But the one thing that captured my attention was how it was shot. Uh, the the color of the film, uh, you know, the the production design, all those things, and the fact that it was all miniatures and and done, you know, on a practical scale uh, compared to how things are done nowadays. I mean, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I thought really looked amazing too, but uh, but this film just really kind of set a lot of things apart in terms of sci fi. Um, I'm a really big Philip K. Dick fan, so reading like do androids dream of electric sheep all those uh type of uh, novels that he wrote a lot of this uh kind of tied into that so growing up reading those books it really resonated with me and uh just a, a great story all around and harrison ford delivers a really really good performance in it it is a great harrison ford movie i mean it's no con air but you know <laughs> harrison ford was not in con air wait who was in con air i always get harrison ford Nick in Cage. Cage. No, no, uh, Con Air is the one I was thinking of. Then, uh, what's the one where he steals the uh, or like has to hijack Air Force One? Air Force uh, One, just Air Force One. Okay, okay, yeah, that's the movie I was picturing. Not- I love how your nonsense detracted from Brandon's excellent analysis. <laughs> no, I was going to reply to Brandon by saying I don't have anything that was perfect, and then he went okay. into some random shit. <laughs> okay, say that, and I'll go cut it out of the goddamn episode. All right, shut no, up. This is great. <laughs> great this is my fucking show you can get a, get the hell out of here if you don't like it hey it was sensibly loud man <laughs> exactly exactly i'll talk about harrison ford i'll put him in fucking con air if i want to <laughs> no brandon that's a really good choice man that's a great movie i actually love that movie i, I like it pretty much everything harrison ford's in oh yeah yeah has he's, he ever done fantastic. a real stinker yeah he did some chick flicks that were crap oh, okay yep. well that's that's not anything we would have seen right not yet <laughs> We still have a lot of years of life left, so there's that impending doom when your wife is going to be like, hey, let's watch this. That's a good point. That's a good point. But he's got a lot of ones that just knock it out of the park, so I think this is a good choice. Yep. What's your number nine? All right, so my number nine, and it really it got pushed down for sure because it's like some of these other movies are just undeniably great. My number nine is Caddyshack. A great movie, an amazing time for comedy. Comedy movies at that point in time were still so off the rails and just there were no rails really it was just movies like airplane and these like caddyshack and i know i don't even know if i ever saw caddyshack too because fuck that that sounds terrible but (laughs) these movies just paved the way for kind of what's good and bad i think as far as like where the line is in a way but they were so so racy and there's so many great scenes and Caddyshack, a lot aside from all the ones that people always talk about, like the candy bar in the pool and all that, like they're just little 
sight gags everywhere. Like, remember when they, whenever they get to the pool and it's like says there's like a sign on the front that says Caddy Day and it's like one to one fifteen. You know, just like mm-hmm. one little weird shit like that. Chevy Chase was in his his bag. Roddy Dangerfield is amazing. So number nine is Caddyshack for me. Love it. Yeah, highly agree. Bill Murray is great in it. I mean, everybody's great in it, but uh, Dangerfield to me like really kind of took the cake when it comes to comes to that movie. I don't know. There, there are some like short documentaries on the making of that film, and it was just as much a clusterfuck as it appeared <laughs> yeah. on film. Like it was totally cobbled together. Hmm. Chevy Chase and Bill Murray hate, hate, hate one another, um, and we're having they're like barely in any scenes together because they just can't stand one another in real life. Um, that movie was a mess, but it was it was a Cinderella story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfectly summed up. Sam, number eight. Number eight. The Fifth Element. Oh, yes. Great movie. This is, this is a bright, loud, and obnoxious sci-fi film that came out sometime in the 90s. We've got Bruce, Millis, Bruce Willis, 97. 97. What a great year. Um, this is, I, I don't know how to describe this movie except to say that it is like out of this world. It sort of kicked off the era where things got really obnoxious um, near, near the start of the new millennium. And uh, this is just one of my favorites. It's very well written, well acted, and um, it's just one of my favorites. I don't have a great reason. Whenever I, I was looking at the IMDb pages because I was curious of who all's in this aside from Bruce Willis, and one of the suggested movies that's like more like this is called Twelve Monkeys. Yep, yep, uh, that's equally as batshit crazy. I've never seen that movie before. I've never heard of that movie. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, it's, um, got brad pitt and somebody else in it madeline stowe uh Damn. bruce willis okay this is on my list i'm gonna get to this this weekend oh it's really good yeah i've got a big weekend planned here you can tell <laughs> but yeah as far oh, as uh good. as far as fifth element goes you know it it <clears throat> you know it's directed by luke Besson, who did uh the professional so he's french uh so it it very much has like that french film type of uh feel to it uh so it'll it is a little over the top doesn't really explain like why certain aliens are fighting each other, uh, but I like how it doesn't take itself too seriously. And basically, you know, Bruce Willis is just like John McClane, you know, but you know, put him in a taxi cab driver thing. Former <laughs> well said. Guy. That's so good. Uh, yes. And Gary Oldman knocks it out of the park in this film. I mean, everybody does a great job in this film, including um, uh, Mila Jovovich. Chris Tucker being in it is very, very interesting. Super great. <laughs> Super green, he says. That means that's fine. <laughs> yes. I don't really recall Luke Perry's role too much in that movie. Oh, he was in the very beginning um, whenever the aliens land and it takes place like in the 20s or 30s and the 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 guy's trying to open up the, the certain wall. So they come in and unlock it and he's like the younger uh, gopher kid or whatever. Oh, okay. Okay, he's yeah, drunk. yeah, yeah drunk drinking wine and he says aziz light (laughs) it's also been (laughs) a little bit it's also been a little bit since i've seen this so i I need to go back and and check this out too but this is a great movie great pick oh yeah all right brandon next my number eight pick also a sci-fi film came out in 1999 and that is the matrix man that one was close for me yep this was one I kept moving up and down on my list, and I there's just so many films I had to put ahead of this one. Um, but yeah, came out 20 years ago as of, I believe, uh, March of 99. Um, so yeah, I, I, I have yet to watch this film. I, I've been wanting to rewatch it in the theater room uh, just to kind of like cap off its 20th anniversary. 
But yeah, I mean, what can you say about the matrix other than just excellent uh, in terms of its execution, the the color scheme, the way it was shot by the Wachowski brothers, now sisters, I guess. Keanu Reeves was excellent, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, but the the way everything was set up, it was very much kind of like an anime meets sci-fi and everything you want in a film. It was so ahead of its time. Very ahead of its time. Also out on Netflix now is the entire trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I, I would add that the Matrix uh, combination of Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves somehow culminated in John Wick 2 when they met again. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne says something to the effect of like, my old friend, so how good, how good to see you again. And like, they haven't been in a movie together in a long time, which speaks to the greatness of The Matrix and how John Wick didn't take itself too seriously, like at all. This was probably one of the first movies that I like day one saw in theaters that I had to be there to see in theaters kind of thing. That's a good one. Yeah. That's, it's just one of my my memories when I think back on that that movie and how fantastic it was. And I just remember being on the edge of my seat the entire time because the, the CGI and all that stuff was so primitive, but it was so revolutionary at the time. It was great. So good. Was it CGI? Yes. Yeah. Must have been, right? Really primitive CGI, though. Uh, it still looks good. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Great movie. What you got? All right. So number eight for me is going to be Batman the Dark Knight. Great flick. I really wanted this one higher, but there's some other movies that kind of took precedent there. I think this is the best one. It's one of those things where if you ask me tomorrow, my answer is probably going to be a little bit different from that Christopher Nolan series, but mm, The Dark Knight's good. Yeah, strong agree. Um, You know, can't get any better than Heath Ledger's The Joker. I feel like this is one of Christian Bale's strongest performances, Batman. Uh, but I, I know what you mean because Batman Begins, he also gave a strong performance. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's just perfect. It's a great film. I watched it on my way home from San Francisco last Friday, um, and it really reminded me of how good that movie was. And you guys are right on it. Saying all the things you get. I honestly just wanted it to be higher on my list, but I mean, some of these are just, I don't know. Like, it's kind of what we were talking about before the show started. Like six through 10 seems to kind of wish around and watch around and stuff. So it's, but I feel like this one could have made it into the top five for me. But like I said, it just depends on the day. So, all right, Sam, number seven. Number seven for me is The Hunt for Red October. Ooh, nice. Great movie. This is, this is a movie adaptation of a Tom Clancy novel based on the character Jack Ryan, who's a CIA analyst quote unquote and he always seems to get himself mixed up in some really crazy shit Uh, (laughs) it's always it's always geopolitical or whatever you think about harrison ford doing patriot games um and the other one is clear and present danger that he did but um this one is alec baldwin um facing up against sean connery in like a submarine warfare cold war sort of situation um the reds have created like a silent submarine and Jack Ryan, Alec Baldwin is the only guy who knows uh, how to hunt this sub. It's it's just good Cold War mid '90s trash, um, and I, I love a good face off between the classic Soviets versus U.S. Especially involving submarines. I just I can't get enough. Some people are like oh, another submarine flick. I'm like I'll watch U five seven one all day. I was literally Ooh, yeah. just about to ask you about that movie. That's a great movie too. One that Claire would probably kill me rather than watch, though. McConaughey, one of his finer performances in that one. Pretty good, man. Pretty good. What I, was that one that had Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman in it? 
that is Crimson Tide. Yes. That's right. That was another good one. Now, that's a great one. The other uh, notable sub movie is K-19 Widowmaker, starring yep. Harrison Ford. Mm, seems to be a, a theme here. Gene Hackman alive? Oh, yeah. He is? Okay. I feel like he's super old now, right? Yeah, he's probably up there in the 70s. Yeah, okay. I think he quietly stopped working. Um, okay. Good for him. I don't have any it's problem with that. Shit. Yeah, no, he, he's been in some really good stuff. He was in the birdcage. <laughs> <laughs> ben and I happened to be talking about that movie not too long ago. It's a good one. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with Sam on this. Um, uh, I like all the Jack Ryan films. Uh, actually have a lot of Tom Clancy novels I, I collected over the years. And I would say that uh, this film in particular just has the most suspense. Uh, I think it's well-directed and yeah, great film for number seven also came out in 1999 or wait a minute. Was it eight 98 or 99? I think it's 98 uh, saving private Ryan. Ah, we were just talking about that on the outfielder, the baseball show. Love oh, it. probably cause it been baseball. <laughs> Maybe. I don't remember how that came up. It's got a theater showing uh, coming up shortly at like the 20th anniversary of its release. That's right. Yep. I'm thinking about going to that, but I recently got the the latest version that came out, I think, two years ago. It's got Dolby Atmos and all that stuff in it. Pretty awesome. Nice. But yeah, this film came out. Um, I didn't see this in one in theaters, but I, I saw it when it came to DVD back in the day. And yeah, it, I mean, what can you say about it? I mean, Tom Hanks and Spielberg directing it and that beachfront scene all the way to the end. It's just the the whole cast is just uh, everybody, the whole ensemble just flows so well together. They really do. It's a classic. We, like I said, I mean, we got to talking about it on the baseball show because it's just such a classic movie. But I, w- I started to say the other day on that show that I hadn't seen it. And Sam thought I was going to finish the thought right there, just saying I haven't seen it. And he was about to come through the screen and murder me. But uh, I was going to say that I hadn't seen it in quite some time. So I need to go back and do a rewatch on that at some point. You, you did a heavy pause after I hadn't seen it. And I kind of held my breath. And then you continued your sentence. And I audibly sighed. I was like, <laughs> whew, thank God he didn't say I haven't seen it. I could see, I, like, I could hear him sigh through the, <laughs> through the actual system. It was great. Uh, but yeah, a classic movie. One of Tom Hanks' finest performances, I think. Oh, yeah. I agree. It's definitely top five, for sure. There's a lot of good Tom Hanks performances, though. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got, like, uh, uh, You've Got Mail and... Uh, <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. Sleep. Yeah. Big. Big. Yep. <laughs> Splash. Yeah, there's some good ones. There's definitely yep. some good ones. All right, so number seven for me is The Big Lebowski. Nice. I mean, I don't really know if much needs to be said about this movie. This movie is absolutely incredible. I think that's just like your opinion, dude, dude. Yeah, man. (laughs) I don't think there's a time. I don't know if a week has gone by since I've seen that movie where I haven't made some comment about a rug tying a room together. (laughs) I mean, I say it all the time. It just I love that. That's a common theme throughout that movie. Jeff Bridges is amazing. He's always amazing. But I, I definitely thought that the Super Bowl commercial they did this past year was an absolute travesty. They should not have done that. That was cool. Oh, no. Sad. Yeah. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was incredible. He's just this absolutely battered assistant. He's like a Smithers from The Simpsons yes. with Mr. Burns. That's the best way to describe it. And whenever he's like, you know, talk like saying all the real shit, and he's just sitting there laughing uncomfortably. It is just absolutely incredible. John Goodman being Walter will <laughs> never, ever get old. And I actually knew somebody that was very similar to him that had a temper like that. They would just go yeah. like 
snap like that, and it was absolutely terrifying <laughs> to be around sometimes. Like if I pictured him wearing those shooting glasses and stuff like that. So uh, an absolutely incredible movie. Number seven for me. I love that. I think th- this movie, uh, because of temper issues, I think has a very like personal effect on me. We're talking about Lebowski, who has everything in the world going wrong for him. His friend dies. The sheriff is throwing a cup at his face. He's got some strange lady trying to like have him impregnate her. There's just a lot going wrong in this man's life. People are peeing on his rugs and like putting ferrets in his bathtub. And he just takes it all in stride. Sure does. And I, I watch this movie and I'm like, damn, dude, I really need to chill the fuck out about my spreadsheets at work. <laughs> Dude, I know exactly what you mean, though, because it could be so much worse. And just the fact that it's all over a rug and those guys just defiled his house entirely. It's just fucked up, man. And I just never understood the ferret in the bathtub thing either. I'm glad you brought that up because that's just so strange. (laughs) So that's a great movie. That's my number seven. Sam, you want to go number six? Number six, Wedding Crashers. Ooh, (laughs) This is just a trashy, terrible comedy the likes of Waterboy and Happy Gilmore, maybe with a little more sophistication in the joke delivery. For sure. But um, Vince Vaughn and one of those Wilson brothers does a really good job of making me laugh every time it's on. <laughs> um, whether whether someone's feeling up some old lady's cans or, you know, <laughs> where's Zach? We'll sail without him. We'll like, sail without him. <laughs> there's so many good one-liners in this movie. Um, and the, the jokes are so subtle around a really dumb story. Uh, the, the way that I crafted this list was around one hallmark that, um, I wouldn't change the channel despite like TNT censorship or commercials. And all of, all of these movies sort of fit that bill. Like if they're on, on a shitty channel, I will watch through the commercials and all the censorship. And this one fit the bill because I just know that they're cursing underneath all those like gosh darn it's right well and you and i said that we'll sail without him thing for years and nobody knew what we were talking about it was great they're decimating the grubworm population (laughs) i don't think that there's a better duo in this movie and they tried to do the internship together it was a good movie but it was not the same thing Eh. no it was fine but it was not the same thing at all and i mean you had a great supporting cast here i mean having christopher walken involved at all is just fantastic Uh, oh yeah he must be like Bill Murray, right? It's hard to get him to do anything. For sure. Is this what put Bradley Cooper really on the map? Or was it was it uh the hangover? Hangover. Hangover. It's yeah, this one probably got him like more scripts coming his way. Um, but you know, I, I don't necessarily see him doing like much comedic stuff in that movie. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. But but uh <laughs> my favorite scene in this film is probably when they're at the dinner table. And she's uh, doing something underneath the table, and he's answering <laughs> Vince Vaughn's answering the questions. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah so good, so good. Your question, it feels so good. My number six is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. Yep, saw this when I was a kid, and even nowadays, watching it, it still holds up. Um, yeah, you have some of the '80s animation and stuff, especially towards the end when the guy's faces melt, but it's just so awesome. Just everything about this movie was great. I mean, you got. Spielberg, who's coming in, and you also have uh, Lucas working together on this project, and you're coming up with basically a James Bond, but he's an archaeologist 
and goes and tries to find these hidden treasures. And so, yeah, this film, uh, I think, is my favorite Indiana Jones film for sure. It's a good movie. It's I don't like this movie for one particular reason, but I'm not going to say it because I feel yeah. like it'll really fucking ruin it for you. What are you going to ruin? We know how it ends. Indiana Jones didn't need to be in that movie at all for that plot to work out just fine. I disagree. He punched many Germans. But it didn't. <laughs> okay. Just think on that for a while. It really, really ruined this movie for me. I like this movie, too, but it really fucked this movie up for me. The internet ruined that movie for you. I still love it. Brandon, Absolutely. great choice. But because of Indiana Jones, the Ark of the Covenant ended up getting boxed away and put in Wright-Patterson Air Force Base away from all of the evil access evildoers. So, Fair. Yeah. <laughs> but I know what you mean. It, it overall just doesn't need him. That's the shitty part about it. I was pissed whenever that got ruined for me. But a good choice. I don't disagree with it being on a top 10 list, though. It's a great movie. At the very minimum, aside from the story part, it's really well done for its time. Oh, yeah. Yep. So number six for me, then, is Mm -hmm. Analyze This. Nice. This is a very underrated De Niro movie, I think. Him and Billy Crystal together were just absolutely incredible. And for those that haven't seen it, it's basically an insecure mob boss is the character that De Niro plays because of course he does and he needs therapy because he's suffering from anxiety and goes and sees a shrink who ends up being Billy Crystal and the the events that ensue are just absolutely insane like there's a scene whenever Billy Crystal's getting married down in Florida and De Niro comes down there because he needs a therapy session and ends up killing somebody and they fall off the balcony during Billy Crystal's wedding it's just it's absolutely amazing. Lisa Kudrow's in this movie, too. She does a really good job. The sequel was okay. It was a little overdone, but it was really overall good. It was called Analyze That. How clever, right? A great movie, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like that movie a lot. De Niro, yeah. I, I think that was probably the first role he had that was comedic, I want to say. It's got to be up there, right? I mean, I know he was in that movie, um, what was it, The the Comedian way back in the day? Yeah. Yeah, but... You know, that as far as like a straight up comedy role, I thought this one was really good. Yeah, I agree. I can see that as being top 10. All right, Sam. Number five. A League of Their Own, a baseball movie. A fantastic. A League of Their Own. This stars Tom Hanks and Gina Davis. Tom Hanks plays 4F, 4H, whatever the uh, term is for someone who wasn't able to join the armed forces during World War II. So all, all the men are off at war in the 40s. They start a women's baseball league. This is a historical narrative for what it's worth. This is um, a story based on actual events without them being, you know, word for word uh, true to the the history books, um, which I'm a huge fan of. So Tom Hanks is absolutely hilarious. He just plays a drunk manager of a women's baseball club and it goes through the whole tryout period and, you know, the trials and tribulations of running a women's baseball club uh during the war when everyone's rationing and everything um just an all-around great movie this can make you cry and laugh and it's a baseball flick and i i I love i love this movie there's nothing not to like in my book i love the fact that rosie o'donnell's in it and she's great and madonna's in it as well also great she's great too no one in this movie is bad nobody missed nobody whatsoever great movie great choice yep agreed all right brandon Next. Uh, my number five, I am going to go with Michael Mann's Heat. Came out 95. You have Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, Patrick, or wait a minute, uh, uh, Tom Sizemore, and then Al Pacino. And so one of my favorite scenes, I mean, obviously the entire bank heist where they're in the, the firefight, 
And I mean, that was just expertly executed. Nothing had ever happened like that on film before. And being in downtown streets of LA was just perfect. Uh, but my favorite scenes it has nothing to do with action. It's actually De Niro and Pacino. And they're sitting at a, a table having coffee one evening. And they finally meet up. And you have Pacino, who's the lead detective, trying to track this guy down. And then you have uh, De Niro, who is the head of this heist team, who's pulled off expert professional heists. And they're just talking to each other like a, a couple, couple bros. And uh, he's like, you know what? You know, if I if I see you and, uh, you know, coming around that corner and everything, I'm going to have to take you down. I'm not going to like it, but I will. And he's like, you know what? Right back at you. And that whole scene, I think they filmed it. They only took two or three takes, but those guys uh, just coming together on film is just there's something magical about it. But, yeah, that film to me just has had staying power. It's a long film, like three hours long, but uh, really, really good film. Confession. I've never seen it. Ooh. Ooh. Boy. So I'm gonna I'm writing down literally everyone's rankings, and this one's gonna get two boxes around it. That means I need to watch it. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's a good movie. I've only seen it once, but it's really well done. And I think, Brandon, you hit it on the head with your description and everything of it and your analysis of it. But it the best thing that you said that rings so true is it was ahead of its time in so many ways. Like it was a really well told story. Really executed well. Good choice. Yep. All right, number five for me was Wedding Crashers. So we've already talked about it and why, so we don't really need to go too far into that again. But that's why I, I confused it on Sam's list because it was the next one on mine. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, great movie. Sam, you want to go with number four then? Yeah, so my number four is The Martian. Ooh, I've read the this book. Is, I haven't seen the movie. This is based on a novel written by a person. I, I read the book. I'm actually exceptionally bad with names, so I'm just not even going to try. I'm sure Glad it was written knows. by a person. I literally, I swear to God, I read the book, and then they said they were making a movie, and I was just like, so, so, so pleased. Um, this is Matt Damon. He's stranded on Mars sometime in the very near future where we start manned missions to Mars. Um, his crew thinks he's dead. They leave him behind. And he has to survive for like the equivalent of many years on Mars. He has to grow his own food. Um, it might as well be a Matt Damon monologue, but um, it is it is exceptionally accurate in its science, which I really appreciate. Um, and Matt Damon is both very funny and very um, what's the word? Uh, shit. Animated. Smart, smart animated, and. Uh, correct i guess that that's not the word i'm looking for but it's just a great movie i love that shit yeah so i've read like i said i've read the book but i haven't seen the movie but i want and i want to see the movie too i just never really got around to it it's one of those for me yep another one directed by really scott there's starting to be a theme here if we haven't noticed mm -hmm. all right brandon you want to go with the next yeah so number four i have the dark knight nice <clears throat> overlaps begin yep oh yeah i had a feeling yeah. it was coming yeah, to me, it was. It, this is my all-time favorite Batman film. Um, you know, the Christopher Nolan trilogy to me is my version of Batman on the animated, uh, not the animated, but the uh, my version of Batman on film. I uh, collect a lot of Batman graphic novels over the years. Uh, I know we're about to have Matt Reeves' uh, incarnation of Batman and uh, his trilogies, showing Batman as younger growing up. But uh, yeah, as far as the Dark Knight, I mean, it's 
it's everything you want in a film. It's, it's got, you know, it's like a crime heist film and not so much of a superhero film. And I think that's why it made it so effective. No doubt about it. It's a great movie. That's why it was on my list. I really felt like it needed to be higher, but I just, some of these I couldn't really, couldn't really move. In my mind, the Heath Ledger performance of the Joker is probably one of the acting performances of, of my lifetime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Almost certainly. Well, and he posthumously uh, received the Academy Award for Best Performance. So, Wasn't so that the first time that's happened or something like that? Probably. There yeah. was some award that he won for that, that that was like the first time that had ever been given out posthumously. So, yeah. Fantastic I think, movie. I think not to go down a rabbit hole on him playing the Joker, but... You know, that spawned a ton of people trying to cash in on Joker movies. You've got like Suicide Squad and the Joker standalone by Joaquin Phoenix that's coming out. I don't think those are possible without Heath Ledger crushing that role. Agreed. I am excited about the new new Joker movie, though, with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Creepy. Creepy in the correct ways. Totally good with that. All right. So, number four for me is The Departed. Nice fantastic movie never gets old this is one of those that even on tv i'll stop down for it because it's just so well done um i mean is there a more star-studded cast here in something like this for this time period i really don't think so i mean dicaprio was great matt damon was great jack nicholson was great Wahlberg was great i mean it really didn't miss even a little bit it's enthralling for the entire length of it. it's like two and a half hours but i never even think about the time while i'm watching it it's so damn good oh yeah Definitely agree. As far as, uh, you know, next to Heat, I mean, I can't think of any other film that comes close to Heat, but this film definitely is neck and neck, in my opinion, in in terms of like a a crime thriller. I think that's a great way to explain it, too. And I think Jack Nicholson's performance of Frank Costello was so different than anything he's done in so many ways, which is saying a lot for someone who's done as much as he has. But I love it. It's a quintessentially Boston movie, right? For sure. It, it it depicts a different time, though, and like a different kind of feeling that I've ever known. So I don't know, it's kind of like a quintessential Irish thing, too. So, yeah, I good. like it. So that's my number four. Yeah, it teaches you about cranberry juice, too. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. I'm going to follow up uh, Justin's number four with my number three, which is eerily similar Gangs of New York. Ooh, great ah. movie. This is a Scorsese film with DiCaprio, but also has Daniel Day-Lewis and Cameron Diaz. Um, this is a movie that, you know, focuses in on uh, the Civil War and Reconstruction within one city, as opposed to focusing on the war or the greater efforts to sort of rebuild. Um, so it's just really cool to watch the city of New York degrade into to gang warfare um, in a time that is just often not overanalyzed. And, you know, whether the, the facts of those gangs and everything are, are true or not, kind of TBD, but um, super fun to watch, great storytelling, great writing, and great acting. Doesn't it feel like Cameron Diaz almost got overshadowed in this movie by by DiCaprio and Daniel Day-Lewis? Yes. It's a shame. She was great in this movie. And was it Reconstruction? Was this pre emancipation i don't mm. recall it, it almost like doesn't 18th... matter and that's kind of the point right exactly you know, right? it's it was... all about what's going on in that city and they don't really care about the the greater cause that's going on i want to say it was like 1860 or no mm, yeah maybe something like that i don't know why we're wondering but great movie good choice myself. for number three love that one yep agreed all right brandon what's your number three 
Number three is Jaws. A classic. Yep. Simple. Love it. Yeah, love this film. Uh believe it came out in 75 or was it 76? No. 75. Wait. Yeah, 75. <clears throat> so uh one of Spielberg's greatest uh films um was originally written uh by Peter Benchley, um, uh, who's since passed away. But the the novel is very different from the film, but that's okay. Uh grew up watching this movie. I think I probably ran the the film out on the VHS over and over. Uh, with this film, I wanted to be basically like a marine biologist and study sharks from that film. But yeah, it's, it's just just something about it, how the majority of the film, you do not see the shark and you hear the music and it's just expertly done. And a lot of that wasn't even on purpose. They had this mechanical shark that they were going to use in the movie who they, they nicknamed Bruce and it kept failing. And it was just a piece of shit, you know, because we're talking mid 70s here. Yeah, we're talking so, about 1975 with Bruce. Come yeah. on. So they, they only got to use it. It only worked for a few scenes, uh, but they were the key scenes. And then they used a lot of just uh, uh, underwater footage that was done by this expert uh, couple that recorded sharks underwater, the coast of Australia. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's the whole reason why they're like, OK, let's take it out. What if we just did the shark's perspective and put in the music and the music by John Williams? I mean, it's just it's perfect. It's brilliant. Such a great movie. To cr- to quote Ron Swanson, it's about a man who hates a fish. It's, <laughs> Correct. It's so, it's so singular in its focus, and it, it masters that craft of presenting the fish's perspective and the human's perspective on that fucking fight. They're just like constantly back and forth. There's so much tension and build up to that moment where there's finally like a standoff. It, it's wonderful. Great movie. And how could you not love Richard Dreyfuss? Oh yeah, he's so in, great. He's incredible. My number three is Get Shorty. Very nice. Are you guys familiar with Get Shorty? Yep. So Get Shorty is probably my favorite Travolta movie. I think it's definitely one of my favorite Danny. It's definitely my favorite Danny DeVito movie. Uh, but it's got DeVito, John Travolta, Gene Hackman, and uh, missing one, Rene Russo, and all yep. three of them, or all four of them, are just absolutely hilarious. And it's essentially a movie about making a movie. Its sequel is Be Cool, which is equally as great. I really couldn't decide between these two which one to put on on the list because they're very different movies. But ultimately, John Travolta playing Chili Palmer was just incredible. (laughs) He really was. And to have a name like Chili Palmer is just a a fucking badass name. So That's a real baseball name right there. Sure is. Sure as hell is. Uh, It's a classic. And it's something that I never, ever turn off. It's just one of my favorites. And Be Cool is the same way, but kind of for different reasons. But get shorty. Another 1995 movie, by the way. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Sam. Next. Number number two for me is October Sky. Ooh, nice one. This is, the not, object- this is not objectively a great movie. Um, this is a movie about Jake Gyllenhaal growing up in a coal mining town in West Virginia in the 50s, sort of near the start of the plateau of the coal industry. Um, and he and his friends are trying to like get out of this small town coal wood. And, you know, it's, it's the burgeoning of the space race with the Russians, which you'll notice is a theme in all of my movies that I've chosen, <laughs> but um, they choose to start building rockets and learning um, all the, all the advanced physics associated with that winning the science fair and getting scholarships to get the fuck out of their bumfuck town. 
Um, it's a great story. For me, it really tugs in my heartstrings because this, this boy's father doesn't really seem to understand what he's doing and doesn't really approve of what he's doing, even though on our side, on, on the fourth wall, we really understand that it's, it's a wonderful thing that he's trying to learn all the science. It's just, um, it's a really nice story of this, this kid trying to get out of this town, his dad, overcoming his dad's, you know, um, suspicions, I guess. Well, wasn't he like breaking into the factory and like welding the rocket and stuff like that when he wasn't supposed yeah, to? When there's some he was stealing company resources. Yeah, along the way, there's sure. definitely some trickery going on. Oh, you betcha. Yeah, all this was a film that stuck with me because you know I liked Apollo 13 and all the other space movies, but this one at the time, I think after this movie came out, I actually went and, and built my own rocket and uh, shot it off and that that whole fun stuff. But uh, yeah, this was a really great film. Really highlighted all the acting. I think Chris Cooper played the dad. Yep. Really mm-hmm. did a good job. Um, I mean, yeah, the whole cast in this film was great. Something about that guy, Jake Gyllenhaal's father, Chris Cooper, really appreciating what he did makes me feel really good. It's mm-hmm. not like I don't have father issues. Like my dad's great. He always supported what I did. But something about that relationship in that movie is so well illustrated in the acting and the writing that um, it just makes me feel really good. Yeah, very redeeming qualities. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Meredith. Indeed. Great choice. Yep. All right. What's next? My number two, I was very torn because I couldn't decide between 2001 A Space Odyssey or The Empire Strikes Back. So I went with The Empire Strikes Back. Can't deny that. Yep. Uh, So, you know, this film, I mean, obviously the first Star Wars was great, but I feel like Luke was too much of a, you know, stuck up kid and, you know, just kind of like, woe is me. Empire Strikes Back really kind of comes into the fold of like it being a true opera type of uh, of a drama and uh, having that father son relationship. You know, he never knew his father. Then he discovers him towards the end. But the way it was shot, uh, everything to do with uh, then you got Yoda coming into it. I mean, uh, this film still has the, the most staying power of all the Star Wars films and still my favorite to this day. Good choice. I have no nothing to add to that. What a wonderful movie. I would watch that morning, noon and night. I'm not oh, even yeah. going to ruin that because it was so greatly explained. So I'm 100% you don't with have you. Some sort of theory that could ruin a, a objective <laughs> classic. No, not that one. Okay. Not that one. So we're good. good. All right. Am I next for number two? Yep. Mark that. My number two is Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yep. I figured you'd be listing this at the top. Yeah. I love this movie simply because Robin Williams is the most different that you ever see him in any other movie. He was absolutely fantastic as the kind of like the junior college professor but also psychiatrist i mean i don't think there's any crazier part in a movie that just tugs at your heartstrings when he tells that story about missing the the world series to to meet his wife and and all that stuff i mean it's absolutely incredible it's so authentic matt damon's great ben affleck is great this is kind of before ben affleck got a little eh but they just played that quintessential Boston well uh, role so well because that's kind of who they are. And Casey Affleck was even great. I have, I think Casey Affleck is really underrated. Agree or disagree? I agree with that. I agree with that as well. Yeah, I think he definitely gets overshadowed by his brother. But overall, I love the story. The love interest is great. I always forget her name. Uh, Mini Driver. Mini Driver, yes. I, I. It's a weird name to remember for whatever reason just because you don't hear. It's a fucking weird name. Yeah, sure is. But uh, she was great in it, too. Overall, fantastic movie. One of my favorites. Can I tell you my favorite quote from this movie? Please. 
Here's your fucking double burger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everybody wants to talk about the apples thing, but the double burger is fucking great. Talk about putting it on layaway. (laughs) (laughs) Next time I get Claire, you know, dinner, I'm just going to tell her we're going to put it on layaway until she pays me for it. Like, what a shithead. Come on. 16 cents a week and I'll give you a burger. (laughs) (laughs) It's good stuff. All right. I think we're the moment's upon us. Yeah. My my number one movie is the Shawshank Redemption. Ooh, good, good, good movie. Done. I think this could arguably be renamed the Shawshank Revenge because nobody exacts revenge quite like our main character. This is a man who is wrongfully accused of murder. He serves his many, many years sentence. Um, and he just crushes the warden who ends up taking advantage of him as he makes the warden is taking taking advantage of our friend Andy Dufresne. Um, Andy Dufresne was the guy who is who murdered his wife and his lover allegedly, and the warden is making him launder all of his money. This is a story of finding friendship in the least likely of places and exacting sweet sweet revenge on those who have wronged you. So um, this for those two reasons, that's my number one movie. Also, just very well acted by Morgan Freeman. Um, one of one of just the best movies, probably objectively in the universe. Tim Robbins does a great job portraying Andy Dufresne. Oh yeah, and Morgan Freeman narrating. I mean, can't get any better than that. I think that's where all the jokes might have started. <laughs> yeah, strong agree. Uh, yeah, strong agree with this movie. I mean, uh, it's the definition of a slow play. I absolutely love it. Great movie. It it's one of those movies we kind of talked about it before. Feels like it would creep by. It's so can't miss that it just flies by. Brandon? My number one film is Team America World Police. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I started to write that down for you. Yeah. Like, Team, wait, what? Uh, The Godfather. Great choice. Yeah, as far as drama and crime, I mean, dude, and, and the ensemble cast, I mean, I don't think anything gets better than The Godfather. That's what basically set the precedent and set the level uh, for what it is to achieve for really, really great cinema. Dude, there, I mean, it, it kind of just explains itself. I mean, everything from Marlon Brando's acting to, I mean, everybody in that film is beyond good. Is there any bigger iconic scene than the orange scene? I don't think so, right? I don't think so either. It's been redone in so many different like scenarios, parodies, and whatnot. Yeah, it's yeah. just, I don't think there's anything that competes with that. Nope. And especially the fact that it's like film kind of at dusk and all that. It just, it's so unique. It really is. Oh, yeah. Really awesome. Okay. My number one movie. And Brandon, this probably won't surprise you, but this will surprise Sam maybe a little bit. It's actually a Johnny Depp movie called Blow. Interesting. This is the story of a guy named George Young who basically deals with the Medellin cartel headed by Pablo Escobar for the distribution of cocaine in america in the 70s and it's a hell of a story it's absolutely heartbreaking in so many ways penelope cruz acts aside johnny depp and it is his wife she's crazy as fuck and i think the thing that this movie gets right the best aside from just the story and the way it's told is the soundtrack the soundtrack does not miss and it is the perfect collection of music that defines the times that all of this took place in. And that's what I love probably most about this movie. Love that movie. Ray Liotta's in it as well as the dad, and he is so damn good. 
Ray Liotta, excellent. Johnny Depp does a great job portraying a blowhead for sure. Is this probably the height of Johnny Depp? Did he do anything better than this after this? Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. All, all six of them. All, I know. That's, that's my problem with that movie is there's like 18 of them. Well, that kind of defined his later career, right? It did. And, uh, yeah. But no, I, I think this is arguably one of his best movies for sure. Did you guys yeah. ever see The Secret Window? Yep. That's a good movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. And uh, man, what was the name of the um, the Ninth Gate? That's another one that's mm. real interesting to check out. Yes. Ooh. Holy cow! He played Donald Trump in the Art of the Deal movie. <laughs> wow, I bet that's something. Just seeing Johnny Depp playing Do- Donald Trump is kind of hard to wrap my head around. Mm, huh. I could see him pulling it off. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's uh, our top ten movies. So good job, boys. Pretty good. So out of all those movies, I identified one that I haven't seen. Are there any that you two haven't seen? Just me? Firefox, I think, is the only one that I haven't Fire- seen. Yeah, that's a yeah, weirdo. Same. That's an oddball one, for sure. It but sounds great. Not having seen Heat seems weird. It's always popped up. I just haven't seen it. It's a great movie. Okay. Yep. That's on my to-do list for a long weekend. For sure. Well, that was fun. Sam, thank you for coming on and joining us. We really enjoyed it. Uh, we Happily. Were- and we want to thank everyone for joining us for this edition of Sensibly Loud Radio. If you love the show, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, as well as SensiblyLoud.com. Thank you guys, and we'll see you guys next week for another edition of Sensibly Loud Radio. Sensibly Loud.